So I don't know, uh, I went to Westmont College. <laughs> no one's like, I've never heard of that. There it is. <laughs> Go college. And uh, so uh, I love my school. Like it was great, but my freshman year there, it was, it was fun. We have a chapel, you know, three times a week. And um, it was great. I mean, the, the pastors and people there were, were awesome. But the worship was, let's say, just leaving something yet to be desired. And uh, my second year, Darnisha was the worship pastor there. And I'll tell you what, this, this school that went from just, uh, be thou my vision, you know, came to the, this just total breakout of the Lord. And I think really, I didn't mention this to you before, but I think that Westmont and her leading was where I first encountered just the, the worship that really rattled my heart. And so it was so awesome. So that was a long time ago. And uh, several weeks ago at Capitol here, uh, Darnisha was guest singing for uh, the service. And I'm like, elbowing my wife, I'm like, that's her, you know? And I was like, How, what are the chances that we'd both be in Sacramento? So we connected up and it's so awesome to have you guys here and excited just for that. So they're, they're gonna be back. So uh, we're gonna end the night with some more awesome worship and don't miss the gift that they have through their worship for us to be able to connect. I'm telling you, we gotta look at these, these times and just take full advantage. So it's awesome. Um, let's pray. Lord, we know that there is an opposition that would try to come and, and steal our joy, that would try and come and, and give confusion Lord, we know that there is an adversary that would try and mix up the details of our night here, Lord, we've already seen, and we just say, Lord, we trust you. Lord, we trust you for your word, for your presence, for your, your glory to show yourself here. We thank you that you've revealed yourself through the worship. And now through the word, Lord, we just pray that every word that would proceed from my mouth, Jesus would be from the throne room, would be revealing your truth. God, we don't want wisdom of man. We don't want cleverness. We don't want any of that. We want, God, the throne room wisdom that only you can provide that is promised to us. So we ask our hearts to be open for that right now in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna start off by asking you, do you have a contract or a covenant with your God? Do you have a contract or a covenant with your God? Do you know what the difference is? Several weeks ago, I, I briefly mentioned this, that, that a covenant, the covenant that God made with us, a covenant is made on mutual trust, a lifelong endeavor. It doesn't matter what happens. A covenant is forever built on trust. But a contract, which we're all familiar with, is built upon mutual distrust. A, a contract anticipates that we're gonna blow it, that we're gonna have to cheese out of it, that it's not gonna work. And so a contract basically says that all the things that could go wrong, here's what happens. I'm in business for myself and I write contracts all the time and part of it's like, yes, we will do this, but if you do this, you know, we're gonna, you know, all the ins and outs of how to get out of it and you're like, what happens and are there attorney's fees? And I mean, the contracts are basically declaring when crap hits the fan, what do we do? And I wanna ask you, do you have a contract with God where you say, God, this will be great if you do all these things, but if that doesn't happen, here's all the things that are gonna happen with me. And God has made a covenant with you that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't matter, though he is faithful and we are unfaithful, his covenant never ends. He doesn't have a contract with us. He doesn't say, you just simply do this 
or if you, and, and you mess up and I'm gone. He doesn't do any of that, but don't we do that? I wanna ask you, do you have a, a covenant with Jesus that no matter what happens as you walk out these, these doors and you go to life tonight or tomorrow, is, is there something outside those doors that could make you lose your faith? Is there something that could pull that clause in a contract with God that says, God, if this doesn't happen, I don't know if I can believe in you. Is there an event, is there a circumstance, is there a situation that you can conjure up in your mind that if these events happen, then it would rattle my faith. I don't know if God is good, I don't know if he exists. How sure are you of whether you have a contract or a covenant? Are there any strings attached? And my proposition to you is that many of us have secret clauses in a contract with God. And it centers around our happiness and it centers around all the things that we would do, the outcome of our life. And we say, God, if, if there's a violation of what I think should happen, then I'm gonna remove my love from you. Because isn't that the best way that we punish God? We withhold love from him? Come on. Is that not, the, not how we punish God? Is we, we think that we're gonna get back at God? I love that. <laughs> if you say amen, say amen. amen. And this frustrates us because there are infinite things in the Bible, infinite things that we just say, God, why didn't you mention this? Can I get amen to that? You're like, this is a big book. Surely this is in here somewhere. I just gotta look in the back, you know, or, you know, haven't you done that? Haven't you been like, a book that thick has gotta say something about my situation? But we're frustrated, aren't we? Because God says a whole lot of things and we don't like maybe some of it and we're like, but he doesn't say what I want him to say about this issue and he's silent. Why is God silent on that? And we need to know that, that God has spoken about everything. He has, he's addressed everything. First Peter three, or sorry, Second Peter one, chapter three, chapter one, verse three, I'm getting it here. says that God's divine power has given us everything, everything, Every issue, according to life and godliness, according to his true knowledge. It says all things. His word gives us all things. And if we don't see it, what do we do? We inject our motives. We inject our interpretations. We begin to say that God thinks this, God says this. And so when we don't find our specific answer in the scripture, we begin to fill in the blanks. My favorite one of all time. I'm gonna make a bunch of people feel uncomfortable right now is I think God wants us to date, right? You're like, oh yeah, that guy said it to me. You know, I don't know. Like ladies, like seriously, like I know my wife has gotten it maybe like 10 times. Like I prayed about it and God really wants us to date and I think you really need to submit to that calling. I mean, isn't that like true? <laughs> Praise the Lord that that was a lie, you know? We, we pick up the book and we're like, why isn't there dating in here? And doesn't that drive us nuts? And I've talked on dating numerous times, you can get the CDs, all that stuff, but, but God is not gonna intervene in those details. Like God has given us purpose and specifics to that he will be ours and, and, and our heart will be captive by him. And he's like, all the rest of stuff, like I'll leave you to figure out, we'll look at that tonight. But we get frustrated with that. And how about the other end is that I really think God wants us to break up, you know? And all the guys are like, yeah, I, I did say that, you know? <laughs> And aren't you like, well, didn't God say that we should date and now he's saying that we should break up? Now, how do you reconcile those two? I don't get it. And we try and find God's will in dating. We try and find God in the specifics. And just because he hasn't mentioned it doesn't mean he hasn't addressed it. 
If you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews is near the back. And the Lord's hitting you, I need to hear an amen, I need to hear a mm-hmm, something like that, all right? There it is. Hebrews chapter 12, new verse 25. Hebrews 12, 25 says this, and we might have it up here. It says, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking, that's the Holy Spirit. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. Can I give you the translation for that? It says, see to it that you do not refuse God who's speaking to you. That's a general thing. And he's saying, heaven forbid that when Jesus roamed the earth, we heard from a physical man that they refused. How much more would we refuse what God says when he's in our heart? How much more when we know the promises of the Bible that God dwells within us, we're his temple. I no longer live, but he lives in me. All those awesome verses that we refuse that, that's coming from heaven. And he's saying, I'm warning you. Like it's one thing when people didn't have the Holy Spirit, but now that you have the Holy Spirit, you have a responsibility for how you respond. It's not good enough that you didn't roam the earth 2,000 years ago with Jesus. Jesus lives in you right now and he's speaking to you. It says, woe is to us if we do not respond and hear from the Holy Spirit and have that change something in us. Are you with me? Let's continue, verse 26 says, and his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth but the heaven. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. I'm gonna read that one more time. Yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of the created things, meaning everything else, in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. What it's saying here is that I'm warning you, I'm speaking to you, right? Just because you don't have Jesus in his little sandals and pearly whites with a little lamb in his arm doesn't mean he's not speaking. He's in your heart. And he's saying there's all these things amongst us that are shakable, and they will shake. They will shake. At one point or another in our life, we will have the things of our life get shaken. And he's saying, what's left after the shaking's done is my kingdom. And he's asking us, what is our hope? What is our life? What is our happiness? What is our trust in? Is it in the created things which can be shaken, or is it in the things that cannot be shaken? And it is the kingdom of God is the only thing that cannot be shaken. Are you with me? He says, when everything is shaken, what will your life look like? What will your life look like when you walk out the doors and God forbid something crazy happens? What does your life look like? What does your response look like? I have a little up and close personal experience about this today. The running joke of my life for the past like nine months because my wife is about to pop at any moment now. Are you doing okay so far? Okay, we're not going to the hospital quite yet. But she's like any day about to have her baby. Amen. (laughs) And everybody keeps on being like, oh man, when you go into labor, you know, 
Eric is going to freak out. He's going to go bonking around, you know, every wall. He's going to be on the floor, you know, all these things. So my loving wife and Ashley Laux, I'm just going to name you right there. <laughs> they thought it'd be so funny to call me today or have Camille call me. This is Ashley and Camille's working and be like, hi, sweetie. This is Camille Smee. Um, I just got done with a walk and my water broke. We're not in a hospital. They did a prank that her water broke and they videotaped it to see how I would respond. Tell me that someone is offended by that. Oh, have mercy. And I remember like, really, you know, and, and I was like, okay, we can do this. And Ashley's like sitting there by the door holding, you know, a video camera, a little iPad. I didn't realize she was videotaping. I'm like, so her water broke. So here we go. And it was like the biggest letdown because they're anticipating me to like freak out. And I totally stole all of their thunder. And then like when I found it was a prank, I'm like, oh my gosh, I suddenly like I felt the rush of just what happened. And then I was like, I don't know if I'm happy or angry. This is terrible. Like, am I more happy that she's not pregnant or am I more happy that, you know, what do I do? So it was crazy. But the, the question remains is that when everything is shaking, shaken, what will your response be? I now know, unfortunately, that I had a dress rehearsal about how her water breaking announcement is going to be for me. I know how I'll respond now. I'll probably be a little more suspicious next time, but I now know that the peace that I've been praying for, the peace that I was seeking God for, God, I don't want to be a wreck. God, I want to be full of peace. I want to be able to respond with strength. I've been fearing how I would respond. And when it came, I had peace. And it got robbed from me. And I was angry. <laughs> but at least now I know. So the question is, can your faith be shaken? Can God's goodness in your life be shaken? Is there a situation you can think of that your faith cannot overcome? Like anything, you need to come to grips now. It's better that we do this now when everything is fine, hopefully, that you can say that, God, I trust you and the circumstances of my life will never be shaken because my trust, my life, my foundation is built on the unshakable. As long as we are building our life upon shakable things, upon things that are created, things that are finite and that will go away, as long as we are building an existence around that, we are setting ourselves up to be totally rocked and it's our own fault, because God has made it clear to us. It says, woe to us if we ignore the telling of our hearts not to put things on shakable things. Here's the truth, is that God liberates us, each one of us. God liberates us to choose the details of our existence. God liberates us to choose the details of our existence. Let me free you guys on this. Is that we get so concerned when the Bible doesn't say, you shall date so-and-so, or you shall become this occupation. Like when, when we don't find those answers in the scripture, we get angry, we get like frustrated, and we begin to go in neutral. We were just like, well, God, I'm gonna kind of pout because I need more direction. And let me encourage you guys that God is calling you into a wonderful existence, an existence where you get to do the choosing. 
He says, seek my kingdom and my righteousness first, and I'll give all these other things to you as well. It doesn't matter, but seek me first. And it is your job, your single job, to live a life that changes the world. God will not change the world for you so that you can get the glory. He says, I will let you take the steps. I will receive the glory, but you need to take the steps. He's calling each one of us to read the word, to understand his purpose, his presence, and not to give it an excuse for us to be idle by and stand by. That's why our groups are so awesome. We're addressing the issues, unity and the prophetic and all these things. We're being proactive. Heaven forbid any one of us does not get in touch with a topic like these these that are on the wall and get transformed and move our faith. We're to be action-oriented. And so when I read the word, I read the word and it screams for me to change the world. Does it scream that for you? Or does it scream, wait for me to tell you every last little detail, including what you'll have for lunch? God is saying, it's all about me. I talk a lot about me, but you need to take your eyes off your little self and start living a larger existence knowing that I'm the big picture. Because I read Deuteronomy 8.18, and I'm in business. And I read that, and do I think that I'm so great at business that I'm going to do this? No, I read Deuteronomy 8.18 it says, but you shall remember the Lord your God for he is the one who's given you the power to create wealth. God is not giving me my business. No, he's just giving me the power to steward to have a good business. Are you with me? And so he is, is given us saying, I'm going to give you the tools, but now you need to go and put them to work. Proverbs 3, 5. You guys all know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on, on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. All of your ways, acknowledge him. What are your ways? We don't have any intentionality between it. How about Isaiah 30? I, these are my favorite verses that whether you turn to the left or to the right, you will hear a still small voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. Do you catch it? Do you turn to the left or to the right? God's not saying there's only one way that you can choose in your life. God will determine and tell you like, this is a good choice, this is a great move. But he's gonna say, I'm gonna allow you to make the the details in choosing how you live so it better be good. It better be for my glory because I've promised the entire weight of the eternity and the heavens behind you so make choices because I'm all the way behind you. I love Colossians 3.23 where it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not man. Whatever you do, we need to stop looking for all these nice and neat directions of our life and start living a life that changes the world. And we, we, don't we always stop, we're like, man, I just, if I knew God would bless this, aren't you like always feared that I'm gonna step forward and God's not gonna be there to bless it? Aren't, aren't, we, aren't we waiting for God to say, I filled the blessing tank that's for you and now you can go? We have it backwards. We don't have a problem with God's blessing, we have a problem with God's action of his people. Are you with me? We don't have a problem with the blessing of God. We have a problem with God's people taking the action because it's the action that draws the blessing. You don't get it the other way around. You don't get to say, God bless me and then I'm gonna go. No, he says, you go and then I'll bless you. Come on. If you don't like how your life is going, then change it. If you don't get anything else tonight, take that. If you don't like how your life is going, change it because the whole weight of eternity is waiting for us to do it. So know that after receiving Jesus, after receiving Christ in your heart, that he has given you supernatural power to live life in a radically different way. And it is our responsibility, 
our sole responsibility to put it to work, to put the power to work. Remember I said God liberates us to choose the details of our existence. This is key right here. God liberates us to choose the details of our existence, but we cannot let the details of our existence enslave our God. God liberates us to choose the details of our existence, but we cannot let those details now enslave our God. He's liberated us to have the power of choice. And what do we do is we have the choices and then we say, God, I'm gonna tie you to the outcome. I'm gonna tie you to all the things that are gonna happen right and happen wrongly. And so we make God a slave of how well our plans go. He says, I'm giving you liberty to choose and to walk forward however you like, and I'm gonna bless you, and I'm gonna go with you, and I'm gonna protect you, I'm gonna speak to you, I'm gonna guide you. But we cannot make God a slave to our human plans. Are you with me? That we need to live a life knowing that we have liberty, but God needs to be outside. He cannot take the blame for when our personal irresponsibility gets us in trouble. It drives me nuts when I was just talking to somebody recently and the, the first thing wrong they did is that God brought this person for me to date. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, I don't know about this. And it's like, you know, God like, wants your heart and he, he desires that you have righteousness and holiness for, for him and him alone. And that there's gonna be somebody that is gonna be a match that you, you both are gonna glorify God. But I feel uncomfortable that you saying that God is intervening in this one person all the way around until you like bonk heads. And I said, do not let that to be an idol because we can screw it up. We all have the free choice to screw every great thing that God gives us. And lo and behold, about a month later, the relationship ends. And so now where is God? And now she's wrestling with that God brought this person in and now God took it out. If God's gonna bring someone in, he also has to be on the hook for taking them out. And she's wrestling with like, why would God hurt me like that? And I'm like, God doesn't do that. God will not bring someone into your life just to teach you a lesson and to put you in total shame and bondage and, and pain. That's not a loving God. But he's saying, I'm gonna give you wisdom, I'm gonna give you my presence, I'm gonna give you all the great things to make wise decisions, so do that. We do God a, a terrible injustice when we make him a slave of our happiness. And isn't that the right way to frame it? that we are making God a slave to our happiness? That little contract, that clause, it's all about us, isn't it? It's not about us. We think we deserve it. We, we don't deserve anything. Jesus paid for us on the cross. We deserve death. If it wasn't for Jesus, we, we deserve nothing. But by the grace of God, by the grace of God, we have life with him. It was the eternal gift. And we act like spoiled little brats when we get all bent out of shape about something going wrong and we say, God, why did you do this? And he's like, I didn't do that. Let us to be free to know that we cannot make God a genie in the bottle for our happiness. And we cannot punish him when life takes a wrong turn. We know that we're gonna have trials and tribulations in this life. And when we do, what is our response and what is our attitude gonna be? God, why are you punishing me? Why are you bringing this pain upon me? Why are you doing that? If you are having your faith in the shakeable things, that will be your response. The response when our faith and our existence is tied up in the unshakable, the kingdom of God, our response is, yet, Lord, I will praise you. It doesn't matter what happened in my day. It doesn't matter what just happened, yet I will praise you because I trust you, because I know that you are eternally good, eternally just, and you are eternally merciful. 
And I know those things to be true. It doesn't matter what my circumstances say, I choose to believe in that. Now there's a difference between happiness and joy because joy is the will of God, 1 Thessalonians 5. That we'd be joyful in all circumstances. Joy is when we, we have life hit the fan and we say, God, I'm so glad that you're in control. I'm so glad. I rejoice, Lord, for how you will show yourself to me in these times. You don't need to be joyful and happy at the same time. We can be totally bummed and still be joyful. Are you with me? But God's saying that your happiness is up to you. Your happiness is a product of what happens in life and I'm not directing a lot of the things that happen there. I'm loving, I'm revealing myself, but we are at the, at the mercy of an evil and corrupt world. And we cannot put God's fingerprint on the terrible things that are, are subject to us being in a fallen world that is ruled not by the heavenly kingdom but by the earthly kingdom of the enemy. I'm also keenly aware that I will have as good of a marriage as I want to have. I will have as good of a marriage as I want to have. I can never blame anybody but myself if I have a crummy relationship with my wife. What is your relationship with, like, with God? Who's to blame if you feel distant from God? I really believe that we are as close to God as we really want to be and what we choose to be. What is our, our choices? What are we doing to be intentional about closing that, that distance gap? We're as close to God as we want to be and we need to have the responsibility to make choices that change our schedule, that change our mind frame, that change our attitude, that get us free to move in that place. You know, the same person I'm talking to about the, the breakups was just all riled up. I'm like rocking the, offending the mind. And maybe some of you guys are like, this sounds weird. You know, and so the response back was like, well, you're in business. Isn't God in your business? No, he's not. God is in me. Which would you prefer? <laughs> Why do we get so focused? Is God in this? Is God in that? And we're totally missing the fact that God is in us. I would rather have him in me than have him in these external things because I'll always be longing for his presence when our natural tendency, our natural craving, our soul design and our soul cravings are to have his presence in us. So why are we complaining about whether or not he's in this or not? God is not in my business. God is in me and he's given me wisdom to make right choices. He's given me favor because I trust it to him. Proverbs 16 says, in all of your ways acknowledge him. Sorry, whatever you do, commit your ways to him and he will bless it. It's awesome. Whatever I do, as long as I commit it to him, he's gonna bless it. That doesn't mean it'll always be the outcome that I want. That doesn't mean trillions of dollars. That doesn't equal blessing, but I'll be blessed because I'm committing everything to Jesus. And the reason I don't say that God is in my business is because if my business fails, then my God fails. I'm not about to put God into the hands of a, a high-tech software startup. Can you get any more high risk than that? <laughs> that would make no sense. It'd be so foolish of me to say, God, I am so great and so mighty, and you are in this business, and you will do amazing things, despite whatever actions I, no, I get up early in the morning, I stay at the office late because I want to win, because God has given me the wisdom and the ability to win, and I believe I will. 
But if I don't, it's not God. It's not him. I'm okay with that. Because I could be here today and everything could be gone tomorrow. It doesn't matter. My God is unshakable. And it's only become in the, the recent, I would say, two years where I've come to the real knowledge that my identity and my, my security is in him and nothing else. I'll tell you a story. About six or eight weeks ago, so I, I high-tech web software startup. Our software processes millions of dollars every single month. We have all this financial details. We, we do giving and fundraising and events and tickets, all these things, right? Millions of dollars every single month in this data that we hold. And it was about 5.30 on a Thursday. And I hear the most unbelievable sound from my lead programmer. And we pull up a website of our, our server administrator screen and it's been hacked. And it's been this whole like Intel, you know, logo it says hacker inside. And it just says, you are screwed. I'm like, oh man. And so I, I went into the conference room and I just, I called, I think I called Waterbury. And I was like, oh man, I got one for you. And it was a fire drill, it's like, okay, I, I've prepared for this. And it was a 5.30. And so I worked and we, we tried to find what are we gonna do? We, we, we killed our email. We were down from email for days. We did all these things. We started deleting files. We had to close every single known hole we could. And I chose to go to Epic and go worship because I knew that my soul, there was a battle for my soul at that moment. About is my identity in this, the software business or is my identity in Jesus? And so I went and we were in the chapel and I remember going and I just was so wrecked and our programmer is just like back and he's working on things and I'm just like totally rattled. Like I have no idea what has gone on on those servers. I have no idea what data has gone. My entire business could be over right now and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna put my body into obedience. I'm gonna put my words into obedience. I'm gonna put my heart into obedience to worship him as nothing happened. And I'm going to worship him because he is good and he knows these circumstances and details. And when, when I left, my program pulled up a file and it had all these credit card numbers. And it was a publicly accessible file. And it was, just, it was all encrypted. But it was there. And so I left thinking, we now are so jacked. We are, it's over. I, I'm thinking like, I don't have an attorney. I have like, I don't know what to do. And so I sat and I worshiped and I was so affirmed in God that God, this is not my identity. You are my identity. It doesn't matter what happens, but I'm gonna trust and I'm gonna choose you and I will not let my happiness, I'll not let my joy be stolen from this. It was at 10.30, I worshiped from seven until 10.30, 10.45 that night. I called my programmer Actually, he called me. I didn't get any, any text, nothing. And he calls, and he's like, they didn't get anything. He's like, they were totally locked off from this one area. And that little file was something that we accidentally tripped and, and got, we got hacked on like a, a, a sales website, but we didn't know where. And at the time, we thought they got everything, and we come to find that they didn't get anything. All they could do is just graffiti a little tiny page. It's a tiny de detail. 
And suddenly just like, oh my gosh. But in that moment, I knew that God could trust me with more. Because if I went there, I, I knew that there was a battle for my heart and my identity, that God is wondering, if this goes, can I trust you? Can I trust you with more? I hope I passed. I believe I did. But it was a test to see if something goes wrong, am I gonna go blame God and what is it gonna do for my identity? What, how am I gonna respond to that? I choose to make choices in my life to affirm that God is the unshakable and that all my life, my identity, the details that he gives me the privilege to choose, I don't make those my existence, my identity. We never know what can happen. And I would challenge you right now, think of the life circumstances, the details of your life. Are there areas that need to get back on the altar for God? And we, we come and maybe all of us have at some point or another, we've been a total surrender. We've laid everything on the altar. And God truly has all of us. And, and Sean next week is gonna speak on brokenness. This is gonna be so awesome. But in that course of that time, but, but when we put that on the altar, they kind of like crawl off the altar, don't they? And become a new rule in our life. They get off that, that point of sacrifice for God. I want to challenge you that we always need to be in a continual state of examining, has this thing that I put on the altar come off the altar? And so I, I challenge you with when we talk about shakable and unshakable, here's the, the simple proof. If it can be shaken, it's not God. If it can be shaken, it's not God. It has to be one or the other. And if your God is shakable, then you need to have the cold reality that you worship a God who exists to satisfy your desires. If your God can be shaken, if your faith can be shaken, I'm sorry to tell you that you are worshiping a God that merely for you exists to meet your desires. And we need to repent of that. God's forgiven us. Forgiveness and repentance is different. Repentance means to change the way we think, change our focus, change all of that. But God is not here to simply satisfy our happiness. He's here to commune with us and allow us to live a life that's worthy of him. Is God a slave to your happiness? Is he a slave to your happiness? We have a video and, and we've been having technical issues and I really hope that we can show it, but our audio and video stuff is kind of challenge, so um, can you guys give me a thumbs up or thumbs down if, if it may or may not work? We might just try it. As this is... Come on, audio. I don't think we got it. <sighs> well... We'll leave that plain. If you guys can happen to figure out, we'll go. But I'm going to tell you what you're looking at. <laughs> this is Britt Merrick. There's been probably about four men in my life who have eternally changed me. And this is one of them. He is the one who gave me the passion for the word. This is the Bible that he encouraged me to get. He gave me the love for understanding that there's more beneath just the initial surface he gave me the, the, the mannerisms in which I, I ad adopt the word to apply to our life, all those great things. His name is Britt Merrick. 
And in this video right here, he is telling his congregation that his five-year-old daughter has cancer. And not that his daughter has cancer once, but this is eight weeks after the first battle of cancer. We, Camille and I were down in Santa Barbara and we attended the church and we were there as his daughter was delivering the good news that she's cancer free, huge celebration, huge celebration. Worship broke out, it was amazing. And they said, and we're gonna go in honor of, of celebrating, we're gonna go to Hawaii for a month and just be together, worship the Lord. They come back and three weeks after they come back, the cancer is back and it's bigger than it was before. And this is the video of where he's telling the congregation about the cancer that has come back. It is the most heart-gripping story you may ever hear. And we'll post it on our Facebook wall. And in here, it is hearing him as he pleads to know that, that, that we, we have to question the goodness of God. Do we really believe God's good? Because he's like, children die every day. And he says that his daughter has a 70% chance of dying. And, and it's easy for us to say, God is good when it's not your daughter who's dying. And he, he, he talks and he says that we must know that for whatever reason, children die in this world, but that does not shake whether God is good, even if it's my own daughter. And he says, I've, I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. And he talks about all the glory that has been manifest in his life, that it has been the best year of his life, it's been the worst year of his life, but God has blessed him and that he has shown himself, has drawn them so close. He said, because of that, it's been the best year of my life and now the cancer's back, it's the, we're gonna have another year and it'll be worse. And at this moment, they're not sure if she's gonna survive. And it's, it's his declaration that God is good no matter what, even if it is your own life and daughter. And it is so powerful. I, I please, you have to promise me that you guys will go find that video tomorrow. I still don't think we got it. Oh well. I'm gonna have the band come up. I'm gonna close in just a moment. The only thing that matters is God's presence. It's the only thing that matters in life. Career, relationship, dating, all, the only thing that matters in life is God's presence. That is it. And in Acts 2.25, this is amazing, David says this of him. For David says, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. The battle for our hearts is, is our heart in the hand of God or is in the hand of the world? when the heavens and the earth are shaken and we're told they will be, and when life has its way with us and we are subject to that, what will our response be? What will our, our heart do? What will our mouth say? Will we say, God, I believe that you are good and I still trust in you because that is who you are? Or will I say, God, why are you doing this to me? Job says, though you slay me, I will worship you. I will love you. 
Though I don't understand what happens in this world, it will not affect me. It's important that we have a mindset, we live life, our relationship with, with God, our existence, knowing that we cannot sell the, the goodness of God into the details of our outcome. We never know what our outcome is going to be. We don't. But when we separate that from God, God will do such an amazing thing. When we are totally surrendered, when he is truly the only unshakable thing in our life, he will give us the privilege to enjoy life to the fullest. When we are totally sold out, when all of our stability or identity is in him, he will give us the privilege of unspeakable joy to enjoy the details of life. Are you with me? And if we are, are, are going from here to there, we're, we're trying to find the edge, we're trying to find the angle, we're trying to find the strategy, we will find ourselves foreverly, forever discontent. We will never be satisfied. And so I want us to stand and we're gonna worship here. And I wanna just close this and open our time for worship just to ask God to do business with our hearts, to do business with where we're currently at. I want you guys, anybody who wants to come forward and worship here, why don't you come up now and we're just gonna pray. You guys can come on up. <laughs> and as um, we're here, we're gonna have people to pray on the sides. They'll have a little lanyard and uh, so if you need prayer for anything, if, if something in your life has crawled off the altar, if, if your life is in a state where you're not sure what would happen if the worst happens and you want to have God come and help release some of that control, release some of that, that anxiety and fear, then we want to pray and to have that be released. So with every palm lifted up and out, God, we just say that we receive the unshakable kingdom. Lord, our hearts say we crave that which is unshakable because that is you. Lord, we pray as, as palms open and lifted up towards you, Lord, that you would take from us right now that which we are holding so close and with such a stranglehold on. God, we pray that you'd lift it out of our hands. Lord, pry it from our clutches. Jesus, we're, we're hungry for you. We desire you in our heart, but Lord, you will only have one position in our heart, and that is you. Would you now, Lord, just minister to our hearts as we worship, as we lift our voices, as we clap our hands, as we sing with our hearts to you. Lord, we pray that you just would have sweet ministering angels to our heart to speak and to work into us. God, your spirit dwells within us. May it just be glorified. May it come forth in its fullness now. And we pray that you just would have an encounter with us now with your children. Let's worship.